Welcome to Mission Daily. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And we have on the other side of the table at Thumbtack HQ. Marco, what's going on? Ian, happy to have you. Yeah, it's uh, it's great here. We're uh, we're sitting nice up above uh, San Francisco a little bit, and we're excited to talk all things Thumbtack and all things you. So before we get into any of that, how did you get started in technology in the first place? So this is going to be... Uh a quick answer, which is, um, this is my first job straight out of college. And admittedly, it's not what I thought I would do going into college. So we can talk about that story. But um, I went into college thinking I was going to be a research scientist. I went um, in part because of the sort of neuroscience program that Columbia had, got excited about that, got into it, found myself a great internship for a summer, and then realized what it really meant to be a bench scientist and realized that that was not for me. And so that led to a pretty sort of like disorienting realization, which is this like dream and story I had for myself wasn't actually going to play out the way I thought it would. And at that point, I kind of just pursued random things. And, you know, I took a couple random computer science classes. I took a couple random, you know, political theory classes. The thing, arguably the most random thing that I got into, though, at the time was social security reform. And so much so that I ended up writing op-eds for my student newspaper. And the only reason I'm bringing this up, because it was actually by writing that th- those op-eds that I met my co-founders. Because unbeknownst to me at the time, they were also passionate about pension reform. And so much so that they had left college, uh, taking a semester off to start a student group that was involved in that sort of debate and conversation. And I ended up also taking a semester off and working with them and you know, us freshman year, junior year, I'm sorry, first semester, junior year and um, working in DC. And look, the truth is we had zero impact on the national debate. Like the world does not remember it because it had no impact. That said, it was really impactful for us because it's where we realized how fun it was to build something out of nothing and to rally people around a shared dream. And it was that experience that sort of became the seed for this entrepreneurial journey. And, you know, it's kind of like a circuitous path, but I hope what people hear in that is like, these things aren't linear paths and that's okay. And also that like following your passions, I think is actually pretty bad advice often because your passions may not actually matter to the world or make sense, but it is often a way to meet great people and passionate people. And through that sort of like opportunities arise. It's funny because when we were kind of doing prep for this episode, we were talking, we we're thinking about different things that we've used Thumbtack for. And uh, and Chad, our CEO, in the early days when we got our first podcast table, we had it like sanded and we had it all taken care of. We had holes drilled, drilled in and clearly none of us were capable of doing that. So we had to bring somebody in. Being uh, the, the modern men that you are. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, uh, my, my girlfriend is the, is the handy one and I'm uh, the one who breaks stuff, but mm-hmm. I was in the army. So it kind of, kind of tracks a lot of stuff in the army is <laughs> done for you. So you don't have to worry about that, but it's just kind of like interesting how you know, the butterfly's wings of like how many journeys you've probably affected, Mm -hmm. how many careers have have changed due to the platform. You know, flash forward to today, looking back on Thumbtack and kind of all of the impact, what are some of the things that like you couldn't imagine having happened? The thing that kind of still blows my mind when it happens is when I meet pros on the platform or hire them myself and they look in my eyes and and like thank me for changing their life. 
And I obviously have always been motivated by the impact that we could have, but having someone like stare you down and give you a hug and say, thank you. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I threw a big Halloween party and we hired a photographer to take pictures of all our friends and their outfits. And I must've missed the invite. Yeah. Next time. <laughs> um, and, uh, the photographer at the end of the night just said, Hey, I, I want to thank you. Thumbtack has helped me pay off my student loans faster than I ever thought I would. And, you know, here was someone who I just met, um, who was sort of, you know, partaking in this sort of like random night in my life. But for her, Thumbtack had left a mark and that just like hits home each and every time. Yeah. It's amazing to think about kind of like the, the freedom in which people have and the speed in which you can do something that even if you're not necessarily like passionate about it, but it's just something that you know how to do or you're good at doing or feel comfortable doing. And like immediately you can kind of make a change in your own life. And I feel like, you know, for a lot of times without technology, all of that was just harder to get started. Like there's no, you know, glide path to help people do that. And, you know, Thumbtack being one of the places, you know, that famously is doing that, you know, I want to go back to the beginning, you know, you're sitting there, you know, staying up late, drinking, uh, drinking coffee or, or, uh, or water or what, what have you. Milwaukee's best. Yeah. There you go. The bad, the beast, the beast, drinking the beast talking about uh, social security reform, how did you even think of, you know, Thumbtack being a thing? Yeah. So first off, we realized that we need to get out of politics, that for how like enticing the opportunity for change and impact is, the reality of that world is one that does not um, give you much agency over control. And we said, you know, like we want to affect change ourselves. We want to be much more in control. And here's where, you know, my sort of personal history plays into it where I grew up in the Bay Area. My parents are both engineers. Um, they're both Italian. They came here in the 70s thinking they'd stay for a few years, but landed you know, in the middle of Silicon Valley in 1976 as software engineers, and that was a good place to be. And so I've grown up around technology companies and sort of entrepreneurship and knew that this was possible. And you know what we did is something that I think has fallen a little bit out of favor, which is decide to start a company and then go hunt for an idea. I don't know why exactly it's fallen out of favor. You know, Amazon famously was like this. Microsoft, they were hunting around. There's tons of uh, like stories where the idea comes out of nowhere or comes out of a a process that they were sort of explicitly running. And ours is no different where we literally said like, we want to build something. We want to have a huge impact. And so we want to solve a big problem. And the question we posed to ourselves was what's big, what's broken, and what's inevitably going to be fixed by technology? You know, I would, I would posit that it's a, it's a little deeper of a, of a, of a romance than that, that it's kind of like, you know, you meet your co-founders or somebody meets their co-founders and they're like, Hey, do you want to be forever friends? Like, let's make a company that solidifies the pact. Like, and there's kind of nothing wrong with that to your point, right? It's like, you want to make a change. And this is the group of people that you want to do. And you can go in a lot of different ways. And I totally agree with you. I don't think that, I think you do see a lot of, you know, uh, we need to solve this burning problem that's, that's in the world. But a lot of times, you know, what a company is made up of most people who did not realize that this problem exists in the first place, they just have a unique set of skills Mm -hmm. that they can deploy to the problem. Uh, what was your kind of piece on that? Yeah. So for us, the surprising thing is, you know, here we're like 22. We're obviously not homeowners. We're not married. We don't have kids. We don't have pets. 
we barely have like rental apartments with furniture. And yet uh, what we observed was that there was this giant sector, you know, the local services sector, where it was still hard to spend money to get what you want. And it was really that fact that was the splinter in our brains that we kept coming back to because, you know, all of capitalism is about enabling your innate laziness to spend money to get what you want. And here was a category where that wasn't true. It was broken. You had to work hard to spend money. And it wasn't because there weren't pros there willing and interested in doing that job. It was because the world was failing at matching them up and bringing them together. And that felt like potential energy. And if we could solve that, bring these two sides together more efficiently, we would release that energy and the world would be better for it and we could build a great business off of it. And that sort of kernel is where this all came from. And, you know, interestingly, like we went out and talked to a bunch of, you know, friends and and parents of friends and random people that we'd sort of just corner. And very quickly we realized this was a, a real problem. There's basically no one we talked to that said, oh, this is easy. I can find all the pros I need with no effort and get exactly who I want. And I trust them and I know I'm paying the right price. Like, like never have we ever heard that. So oh, in the transactions handled for you, like the other piece of that, right? Like, it's not like you're sitting there trying to figure out how to, you know, turn over your couch cushions or whatever it is. Day one, we very quickly came to believe this was a real problem. It was broken. So much more of that mental energy went to why hasn't this been solved? What's out there today that is trying and, and is it doing well or not? And one thing that very quickly became apparent is that at the time, you know, now we're talking like 2008, 2009, we realized that every online product in the space was really just like a ported version of some offline product. Classifieds becoming Craigslist, Yellow Pages becoming Yelp or Angie's List, and none of them had been reimagined for this sort of digitally native world we now lived in. And that was what gave us the confidence to go for it because we said, all right, big problem. We look around and there's a bunch of people trying to fix it, but they're all trying to fix it in a pretty old way. And that old way wasn't enough. So there's at least opportunity for us to get in here and do something new and different. And we went for it. What was that first moment when all of you kind of looked at each other and were like, this is absolutely crazy. Why are we doing this? It was about two weeks in <laughs> uh, when Lehman Brothers goes under. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Thumbtack starts beginning August 2008 and truly a number of weeks uh, later, Lehman Brothers implodes. And with that sort of like financial Armageddon ensues. Um, and I remember sitting there with my co-founder at the time and like, our reaction, interestingly, was like, we're not going to go get jobs anywhere else. So let's just keep grinding on this. And I actually, in retrospect, feel fortunate. At the time, it did not feel fortunate. But now I can say it was fortunate because it gave us the time and space to just like work the problem. And today, with the sort of narratives that exist, the hype cycle being what it is, I think people feel like they have to instantly find product market fit and they instantly have to sort of reach hyper growth when the reality is like none of these products basically had that happen. Yeah. There, well, there's just no path. No. There's no track. There's no thing that you can go on. But see, the thing is when you're raising capital, like there feels like a because it's literally a path. You go from C to A to B to C or to whatever. So it's like, oh yeah, there's this path that- they see other people going on. So they're like, oh, this is, this is the path that I'm going to be on. 
But in reality, every experience is totally different. Totally different, not linear. I think you got to remember that narratives are all written after the story actually happens and it conveniently rearranges things and sort of tidies it up to make it a better story and a better sort of presentation. Yeah. One of the first things that we had, one of the first episodes that we had on this podcast was with Ellen Petrie Lenz. And she said, it's easy to connect the dots once you've placed the dots, but like you're early in your career or early in your startup, you're just putting dots on paper. You're doing things that are impactful. You're helping people. You're doing whatever it is. Then at the end, you can go back and be like, ah, I see how I got there. And look, this is like, we all play the game. Standard advice when creating a pitch deck is you are where you intended to be. Yeah. So you rewrite it to basically, you know, highlight the fact like, oh, this is exactly what we were trying to do. When nobody achieves exactly plan, nobody achieves exactly what they want to do on the timeline and all that. But when trying to tell people why you're special and to convince them to give you more money or to join your company, you sort of rearrange things like that. And it's unhealthy and something I've tried to, you know, obviously imperfectly uh, combat and just like lay out the facts that it's not smooth and it's mm-hmm. not linear and it's not sort of up into the right uh, in an unbroken sort of uh, wave, but there are ups and there are downs and um, every company has that. And it's much more about how you lead through it and how you manage through it that will determine your success. How do you stay grounded and like content with like where you are now, but also look to the future and, you know, want to have growth? So I think it's very hard. And I think one of the things that founders need to be able to do is have a tolerance for cognitive dissonance um, to be able to hold sort of two really opposing thoughts in your head at once at all times. For example, you have to think like, we're going to win. We've got it. It's inevitable. And we are screwed. (laughs) If we don't fix almost everything, we have no shot because you need that like internal optimism to buoy yourself and the team and to sort of inspire but you need to have that sort of like hard-nosed, critical truth to actually make progress and know what to go fix. So you need both. You need to be long-term oriented and short-term oriented. You need to be aggressive and prudent. Um, like both of those things basically have to be true all the time. And you need to have people on your team that represent, you know, both the devil and the angel on your shoulder there to say like, hey, you know, it's okay. Like we're good with where we're at. Like our growth is good with where it's at. Like we're doing great. Our employees are happy. They love being here. You know, we have this awesome space in San Francisco or whatever it is. And then, you know, whoever it is, the CFO or whatever is saying, yeah, we need to hit our numbers. Uh, and, uh, and then the salesperson or marketing team that's, that's going to go hit those. How do you look at like arranging teams in general and building a team of executives and leaders that can kind of fill in the gaps where you may not, you may not have those specialties. Yeah. So on the specialties front, that's easy and maybe easier for me because I don't have any specialties. And so (laughs) I'm always been hunting for people who are, you know, talented in domains that are necessary for us to be excellent at. Um, engineering, product, design, marketing, finance, go to market. Like we need all of it. Startups today, particularly startups like Thumbtack that sort of like span the digital and the offline really need to be full stack organizations that are highly capable across all functions. Um, And so I think one of the biggest reasons we have had the success we've had is we've brought in a lot of incredibly talented people. 
the other part of your question, which is more about the like the spiritual balance. And here, I think the only way to do it is to create a, an environment of really high trust and respect where there's sort of alignment on values, alignment on a shared vision of success, and then nobody holds back and everybody trusts each other when they sort of give feedback or sort of call something out or say, hey, you know what? I disagree. I think you're wrong. And here's why that it's not a personal thing that they have the same goals in mind and the same values at heart, but they see it differently and they think about it differently and that's healthy and that makes us better. Um, So it's like deep alignment on very few things and then the trust in each other to be able to debate the rest. What does a Marco meeting look like? If you're the one leading the meeting, how do you arrange it? Uh, it really depends on what type of meeting it is. So, you know, a, a staff meeting or a recurring meeting should be incredibly agenda driven. It has to have clear objectives for what's being discussed and why and what we're trying to accomplish, who the owner or presenter is, the docs got to be sent out ahead of time. And especially when you get, you know, eight, 10, 12 people together, that's an expensive meeting. And so you got to be purposeful about it. But then there's also meetings where the point is to to debate and to to sort of workshop something and sharpen an idea and to sort of wrestle with a concept. And there it can be more meandering where you guys, you know, ideally have done the pre-read where you sort of have the shared context for what the question is. And then it's it's trying to elicit uh, the broadest range of reactions and thoughts possible and sort of like pull the thread to their like most most disagreements between smart people is not that somebody made a sloppy mistake and somebody else catches it, is that they have misaligned priors, that they have a misaligned assumption, that they have a misaligned goal or expectation. And it's about uncovering those and then wrestling with, well, what is the goal or what is success or what are we solving for or what is the important thing here? And once you get alignment on that, then you can typically move the ball forward very quickly. Yeah, it's the Albert Einstein, you know, take the first 58 minutes to diagram the problem and take two minutes to solve it, right? Totally. Uh, once once everyone's aligned on like what exactly we're solving and what are the assumptions going in, then it's typically pretty straightforward what, what to do next. Um, but that first part's real hard. Do you think that some of the success that you've had at Thumbtack is kind of around the velocity in which that the company has moved. Like, you know, there's kind of the adage, especially here in Silicon Valley, and, you know, we have listeners in 130 countries. But here in Silicon Valley, there's kind of like this this notion that when something is hot, when a company is hot, when it has a trajectory, when it has velocity, it's like hop on board the train sort of thing, the Mm -hmm. truth train. Do you kind of feel like that that has been part of it? Like people want to be around a company that is, you know, has this type of trajectory? So I have sort of two reactions. Uh, One is absolutely. I mean, momentum begets more momentum and those types of things compound and it's incredible when it happens. And actually, I think founders should think of their jobs early on and honestly for a long time as to create gravity. And you're trying to attract ideas and people and money to this sort of like one spot such that it moves faster and faster and faster. So I really believe in this notion of like, you know, building momentum and that's that sort of begets more momentum. The flip side of that though is I think there's also in Silicon Valley a little bit of a myth of sort of like marginal productivity. It's like, how fast do you send your email? It's like, well, you know what? Doesn't matter. What matters is, are you solving a problem that customers care about? And are you solving it in a scalable and capital efficient way? And 
those questions and the sort of important things often gets lost in the sort of onslaught of the urgent. And I think too many people measure sort of speed as how fast you deal with the urgent and not enough about how much progress you're making on the fundamental or the important. And so I'd like to believe that I have done more of that or taken more of that to heart in part because I hate being beholden to my email and the fact that like you can add a to-do list like remotely to my life. It seems like ass backwards. It's like, I'm going to put the to-dos in my book and we will get to the rest when there's time. But yeah, I so kind of multiple thoughts on that one. Well, I mean, I'd imagine that's, a, that's changed a ton over, over time, right? I'd imagine early days, like, you know, speed is the currency in which startups, you know, defeat kind of the incumbent thing. And you didn't really have like incumbents. You had mm-hmm. kind of a disparate network of people who were just doing things in an inefficient way. So it's not like, you know, I, I think people kind of think of like disruption as very many things. And when you're like disrupting a, you know, like enterprise company with something new, it's very different than like, you know, hey, that creating a market for something that doesn't exist. But I'd imagine that your role obviously has changed a ton over the past uh, 10 years and like how you view speed and what matters. And then, you know, hiring people that their job is to create, you know, speed for your customers and for pros and things like that. Like, how has that kind of changed for you? So I think what I think about much more now is focus because where I think we make the most progress fastest and most efficiently is by being focused on the most important things. Um, And that's something I feel like I can help the business sharpen and help sort of our leaders say no to good, to even great ideas, to focus on the very few that are the very best and have the opportunity to make the biggest impact. I think when you look back and what moves the business forward, it's really that. It's focus and being focused on the right things. And if you get that right, then you can make a ton of progress. And if you don't get that right, no matter how hard you work or how fast you work, you really make no progress. So that is is really my animating orientation at this point. What are some of those ideas that your team has had at Thumbtack, those kind of uh, strike gold moments that you're super proud of and that you look back, whether it's early days or or more recently of things that you just, um, you look at and are really excited about? So I've got one from the early days and then I think one more recently. Look, from the early days, all the advice we got was you got to pick one category. You got to pick one geo, yeah. uh, nail that, and then scale it out. And I, I understand why people said that. There, I mean, I just said focus, right? It's a way of focusing. But I think what that missed was by being so narrow in the problem that as you're defining it, it misses this sort of potential to solve it horizontally, categorically, in a technologically driven way. And by forcing ourselves to focus broadly, it actually enabled us to develop something that nobody else had and ultimately drove a ton of growth and helped us scale really quickly. So that's something I look back on and, you know, um, it's easy to be contrarian. The the hard part is being contrarian and right. Um, And I think that is one of those times looking back where we had both. Um, And I would add to that too, that 
when people do say like niche down on certain things, like for example, like junk removal, we, uh, we're going to be doing some junk removal at Mission HQ this weekend. So going to hit up our, our thumbtack, uh, get a pro out there to, to remove some junk, but you can hire a junk removal pro in minutes right now. Yeah, I know. I'm excited. That's why I'm that's why, that's why we're, uh, that's why we're waiting on, uh, on, on pulling the trigger because we need to figure out how much junk we have. How many truckloads? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I love the unit of measure of, uh, of number of pickup trucks mm-hmm. as well, but, but you take something like, like junk removal, for example, and it's like, if you're, you know, if you're the number one mind share for junk removal in all of the Bay area, for example, uh, is people going to thumbtack, like, that's great. You know, let's say you have a thousand people, but if you have a hundred people who think of thumbtack as their go-to place for any pro, yep. it's like, that's potentially a much more valuable position. But I think that a lot of times startups are given kind of conflicting advice on this. And ultimately like, you know, advice is kind of worth, you know, yep. <laughs> the, what paper it written on. Yeah. Um, the, the framework that I would encourage people to think about is what gives you a frequency of use that is high enough where you can build a real relationship with the customer. And, you know, junk removal is a great example where it does happen, but it doesn't happen that often. You know, mm-hmm. when's the last time you hired a junk remover? May may never, may have been years. So the idea that you would sort of like think of a brand, remember that brand, keep that app, go back to them sort of um, is unlikely given the very low frequency of use. And that was a big motivation for why we felt like we had to be brought because while you don't need a junk removal that often, you need a new service pro quite often. And this time it's junk removal. Next time it's going to be a carpenter. The time after that, it'll be a painter. But collectively, that's something that happens often enough where you will remember and you will come back. And that makes you a dramatically more valuable customer. And through that, we'll build a much better business. So it's less about, you know, what the right unit is and much more like, how frequent that use case is uh, to build a real relationship with a customer. You know, I, and we'll get to your second, second one in a second here, but I, one of the things that I loved from the beginning about Thumbtack is that it helps people reframe what their personal time is worth. And I think that this is like one of the biggest problems of like society in general over, uh, this sounds way more dramatic than I mean it, but just over the years is that we were so draconian and like you have one job and you know, you're in it for 30 years or whatever, and you retire there. And the idea of like what your time is worth. And if it's really important for you to learn how to be an electrician, then like, great. But if you don't want to do that, then you should have access to a network of electricians that are vetted in some way and measured in some way. And that's extremely valuable. And I think that Part of the thing you talked about, like, you know, just like being a homeowner in general is something that, yeah, you just did it all yourself. But like where, you know, I don't, I barely have enough time to be, you know, good at my job, Mm -hmm. let alone being good at trades that people have spent their 30 years mastering. And I just love that about Thumbtack. And it just helps people reframe like who they are as a person, like what matters to them, um, you know, for things like painting and and all of these uh, trades that other people have. Absolutely. And it speaks to the power of revealing the talent that is in your community and giving you easier access and a confident way to hire these folks because there is so much human talent that's out there. It's one of the things I feel every time I go meet our pros and go interact with them is like, it's infinite. The diversity of talent, the depth of that talent, the hard part is finding it, knowing it's out there. 
finding out when it's available, how much it's going to cost. And the more that we do that, A, we enrich in your life as a consumer because we bring more of these great pros to you. But on the flip side is we get these pros to be able to turn that time and talent into money. And too often they are held back because of some really orthogonal skill, like being an online marketer, being a small business administrator, worrying about the the legal aspects of bringing on your first employee. Um, These are things that hold people back from utilizing their talents. And I think that's going to be really key to this future of work uh, because, you know, automation is real. It's going to keep happening. Offshoring and outsourcing is real. That's going to keep happening. And what that's going to leave is sort of non-routine, non-tradable work, uh, which is local services. And, you know, we're proud of the fact that the pros on Thumbtack earn um, a sort of strong wage that entitles them to a middle-class lifestyle. And we hope that more and more people can see that opportunity for themselves as we lower the barrier to starting your own business, to growing your own business, um, because there's so much talent that's out there. Yeah. And and I want to get into the uh, the wage piece in a second, but I want to go back to what was the second thing that you were super proud of? Um, um, so the second one is, is something that happened more recently, which is... Um, a few years ago, end of 17, early 18, Thumbtack basically decided to reinvent itself. The dream stayed the same. The vision stayed the same. The mission stayed the same. But the strategy for how we were going to deliver on that completely rebooted because we realized that this request for quote experience that we had was too burdensome for our pros to be able to utilize as much as we needed them to, given the demand that we had. And so we spent two years remaking Thumbtack such that pros could use technology to identify which customers to connect with, how to quote them, and uh, how to position themselves such that we could programmatically generate these estimates and quotes for them. And it was something that I'm proud of, uh, not just because it worked, though that does feel good, but much more because we kind of had the spine to put it all on the line and to say what we're interested in doing is shooting the moon and building the best possible experience for our customers and pros. And to do that, we have to reinvent ourselves at scale at a time when I think lots of people had joined thinking like all that part had been figured out. And we said, nope, you know what? Um, It's not good enough. And um, I'm proud that we had the the sort of fortitude to take that leap and then make it happen. And it's another one of those classic pricing and wage problems, which is this is about predictability and it's about being a small business or any type of services business where you deal with extreme levels of complexity that transparency, simplicity, all of those things help you sell faster, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, confusion equals no sale. That's like the number one rule of sales. If if it's confusing, then you're probably not going to sell it. And Providing a streamlined approach to that allows allows pros to be able to more easily serve their customers in an efficient way. And, I, you know, for me, that's just super exciting. It builds off something that um, Jeff Bezos says. People always ask him, hey, what's the future going to be like? How's it going to be different? And he's like, I don't know, but I know how it's going to be the same. And I know that customers are going to want convenience and selection and compelling prices. And the same is true in our category and I think really any consumer category where we're all busy and the faster, more convenient we can make the experience, the better. The richer the diversity of talent we can offer, the better it'll be because more likely you'll find exactly the right pro for you. And finally, um, 
delivering great value, pros that deliver great service at a competitive price is exactly what everybody's after. And so the more we do that, the happier everybody will be. Before we get out of here, I do, um, and obviously everybody go check out Thumbtack. And if you want to work at a, at an awesome company, um, check out Thumbtack's career page as well. But before we get out of here, I do want to hear kind of what's next, what's on the, what's on the horizon for you, both as a CEO, but also for the company. Focus for us is consistency. You know, we know we are solving this real problem. The challenge for us is we cover hundreds of different occupations in every city in the United States. And to have the sort of trust and ubiquity that an Amazon has, um, we need to be able to meet your needs each and every time you show up. And that's incredibly hard. And the truth is nobody on planet Earth has been able to, to do that at scale in this category. But that is our challenge and that's what we're going to keep grinding on. Um, and it's something that, you know, we're really excited about the momentum we have and what's to come in the future. You talked category. What category is this? So um, there isn't like local services would be what the like Bureau of Labor Statistics would talk about this as. That's a very broad category that people often don't even have a mental model for. Home service uh, professionals is another one. You know, it's not just people who work on your home. It's also people who work in your home. Mm -hmm. But really, it's about someone with a talent who is meeting a customer in the real world to provide a unique service for a specific need that could cover education for a child. It could cover entertainment at an event. It could cover home improvement or home maintenance wellness, like a personal trainer or yoga instructor. It is uh, a huge, broad swath of things. But what unites them all is that they're real professionals. They have unique talents and they work hard to meet the specific needs of their customers. I kind of feel like, and this might, you know, get dated, but I kind of feel like they're like non-robot problems. Correct. It's like, it's all stuff that it would be really, really, really expensive or complex to build a robot to do like holiday lighting installation, you know, chimney cleaning and repair, like things like that. Gonna We're be- long humans. Yeah. Uh, this is the stuff that the robots will never touch. And this is honestly the jobs that we are all going to be doing in the future in some way, shape or form. And I, uh, I'm excited to be a platform that uses technology to empower these folks to find success in this sort of more turbulent future, future of work. Yeah. And it, and all the robots are working for the pros, right? That's it's right. all of the technology that, that enables those businesses. Marco, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, we're, we're hitting the trifecta here. We're going to have uh, you, Sander, and then a surprise guest to be coming soon um, to, uh, to IT Visionaries, our other podcast. So Awesome. We got a lot of great humans. Keep yeah. talking to them. Take care. Mission Daily and all of our podcasts are created with love by our team at mission.org. We own and operate a network of podcasts and a brand and story studio designed to accelerate learning. Our clients include companies like Salesforce, they're a customer times five, Twilio, and Katera who work with us because we produce results. To learn more and get our case studies, check out mission.org slash studios. If you're tired of media and news that promotes fear, uncertainty, and doubt, And if you want an antidote to all that chaos, you're at the right place. Subscribe here and to our daily newsletter at mission.org. Each morning, you'll get a newsletter that will help you start your morning and your day off right.
Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.